0: so good to see all of you here and those of you who are tuning in online, welcome as well. <clears throat> and um, today um, we can celebrate. I just love the fact that we have a God who loves to party. How many of you are with me on that one? We have a God that loves to party. I mean, there's even seven times per year that he, um, he invites us to celebrate with him. And um, so today is actually yesterday was um, uh, Nisan 14, which is the, um, uh, the, f- the festival of Passover, the Hebrew uh, biblical feast of Passover that was yesterday. And, and then today, and then um, the same week, um, this will be the, uh, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I'll be speaking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread today. But before we get into the message this morning, I want to highlight Heart for the House uh, to you all. And I've spoken about this two weeks ago, um, and um, we have our annual fundraisers basically that we do um, to, to raise money for projects that are above and beyond our normal giving. And that's really what Heart for the House is about. Um, and usually we have some local projects, some building-related projects, but also some missions-related projects. And um, before I get into that, uh, it's really important. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16 and 17 says something really important about the feasts of the Lord. And in particular, there's three feasts where God says specifically to his people, don't appear before me empty-handed. Uh, so I'm going to read this, um, this verse right here. Deuteronomy 16. I've looked it up right here. It says this. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's now, at the Feast of, um, at the Feast of Weeks, which is basically a Hebrew Pentecost, that's in a couple of weeks from now, and at the Feast of Booths, which is in the fall, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the lord your god that he has given you i love the the fact how um, the lord just puts us all in the context of how much he blesses us we don't give to the lord to to basically uh, get a blessing from him no he's already blessed us and we give back to him um, to 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 work together and to see the gospel, the kingdom, break forth over the whole world so that everybody may know who Jesus is, so that everybody may know how good the God is that we all serve together, right? So heart for the house, um, as you can see here on the screen, you see that there's a faith goal, 38,000 euro, and you're looking at the people here, so we all together have to you know, bring together 38,000, yes! No, we can actually do this with the people in the first service and those who are watching online. You guys are participating in this. And this is the faith goal for the whole year. So be great if maybe, you know, during Passover season, maybe the Lord, um, you know, as as we put all our gifts together, and for some of us that could be maybe 10, 20, 30 euro for others, it's maybe a couple thousand euro according to the blessing that the Lord has given to you and uh, so maybe during passover uh, we we can gather in fifteen twenty thousand, and then at, at at pentecost maybe some more and then in the fall even some more and we could work together in seeing something amazing a miracle took place this way i want to I wanna show you uh what we're going to be focusing on with heart for the house 2021 uh there's some global goals i hope you can read this there's some regional goals and there are some uh, local goals so globally our church is part of a church family called Celebration Church. And we have, um, we're, um, we're connected very closely with what God's doing in Zimbabwe, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. And we have about 18 churches right there that are working together with local schools, uh, primary schools, to, to give up meals every day to, to children in poverty. That's about um, 80,000 meals that we're giving up per day in the nation of Zimbabwe. And then um, there's a church plant. We're starting a church in the city of Mokopane. How many of you have heard of Mokopane? All the South Africans raise their hands, right? (laughs) It's it's north of Johannesburg. And this is one of the places where there's a lot of racial division. um, And the Lord has really shown us the importance of bringing back together all of God's children in one church. To see white and black and other other nationality, other cultures that are there, um, let them see, let them come together in just one church and and worship the Lord together. And this is starting in August this year, so it's going to be awesome. And then there's the Farsi YouTube channel that we've been investing in, and um, we we just uh, went live on the on the Iranian New Year cup, just about a week ago. Uh, we went live with this YouTube YouTube channel. There's a huge possibility to reach thousands and maybe even millions of Farsi and Dari speakers, so that's Iran and Afghanistan, who do not know Jesus at the moment. And we could use this YouTube channel with our own um, Masood, one of our deacons, and, and we're going to bring the message of the gospel to those, to those people, both locally as well as worldwide. Then there's regional goals that we have. Uh, where you know we got our conference coming up in, in May. If if the rules allow us for us to have this outside, we're gonna have this in uh, in May. We'll, uh, around um, uh, Ascension Day. We'll we'll tell you more about this very soon. And then um, we're starting a, um, a a fellowship in in Delft. This, this is this is starting Sunday next week. Um, people gathering around the table worshiping the lord uh, reading god's word in the city of delft which is an amazing opportunity to reach that city and then there's some local goals here there's a there's a goal you know we want to there's some some maintenance that has to get done on this building it looks really nice right but it's an old building it's almost it's 99 years old this year so there's, <laughs> there's a bit of work. It's like, a, you know, we, we have to really, you know, there's some things that we really have to invest in uh, in this year, in the coming few years. So that's part of this, pro- this, this project, as well as, you know, the beautiful Eden um, clothing bank that we, that we have. And we want to make sure this clothing bank is doing well and representing Jesus well to our community out here. So anyway, these are the things, 38,000 euro in total. Um, sounds like a lot of money, but with God's help, we're able to do this. I really believe this. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to give now, but I do want you to pray. Ask the Lord, God, how much do you want me to participate in, the, in Heart for the House 2021? What do you want me to give? To, um, to work together with, with the rest of God's children in this church to, to make a difference locally, regionally, and around the world. And so ask the Lord to, to reveal that to you. And then next Sunday and the Sunday after, we're going to have some in-gathering moments as well as later during the Feast of Pentecost and, um, and in the fall. So we really believe that God's gonna give us success with this and we see lots of people change for eternity as a result of our, our faithfulness to, to the Lord. So let's pray. Father, we come to you at this moment. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, for blessing us, for, for being able to give, give back from the blessing that you've given to us so that our finances can also make a difference in, the etern- in where people will spend eternity, whether it's, it's Farsi speakers, whether it's in South Africa or Zimbabwe or locally here. God, we just pray, Lord, that you'd use us as we, as we invest in your kingdom globally and locally. Father, speak to our hearts. Make it very clear um, what we we can all give in Jesus' name. And Lord, open our hearts for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna get into the the Feast of the Lord, the Feast of Yahweh. And next week is Easter Sunday, um, Resurrection Sunday. Um, Today, we're going to be speaking about... Uh, the the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, There's there's three feasts at this time of the year that that are very important. You got Passover, and like I said, that was yesterday, Nisan 14, that's the Hebrew calendar. Um, And then with Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts. And I wanted to talk to you about Unleavened Bread. And then Good Friday next week, we will be speaking about uh, the Feast of Passover, giving a bit more context there, and then on Sunday we'll speak about the Resurrection, right? Uh, because and that's the first of feast of first Fruits. Jesus is the first fruit uh, of those who've risen from the dead, and that's a powerful, powerful festival that is. Uh, roughly around the same time of the year as, as Unleavened Bread and Passover. So there's a little bit of a mini-series here. We want you to really get the context, the, prophetical, the prophetic significance of what the Bible teaches about these feasts. Every, every feast of the Lord in the Bible has a prophetic significance that has either already been fulfilled or will be fulfilled in the near future. Um, and that's why it's, that's why we focus on this. And today I want to go with you to uh, Matthew chapter 21. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 21. We'll be reading from that chapter. Uh, it's the preparation for the uh, Passover feast. Um, and there's some, something really important that happened there that I want to highlight to you this morning. So first one says this. Now when they, which is Jesus and his disciples, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Beth. Page, is, man, how do you pronounce that, right? To the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This is such an interesting Scene happening right here. It's almost like, you know, like like I'm sending one of you off to the center of Hilversum. You know, and there's like a, um, there is a um, Mercedes standing somewhere over there. And you just go to the owner. I'm telling you, you go to the owner, ask them for the keys of the car, and he will give the car to you and bring it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Who would do that? Okay, so I got somebody wanting to... Pick up the Mercedes from downtown Hilversum. That's really what's going on right here. It's Jesus just tells his disciples to pick up that, that donkey, which is a mode of transportation, kind of like a car in, back in our, like in our day. And who on his right mind would just give away his mode of transportation? Unless the Lord has prepared the heart of that person beforehand which is exactly what happened here in the story. In verse 4, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The daughter of Zion, that represents Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. But notice this two words that I want to highlight in this in this little bit here. For one it says the king is coming humbly he's coming as a humble person it also says that he's mounted on a donkey So he's riding a donkey not a stallion. you could imagine if a king would come to town that the, the king would would ride a stallion right he would display all his power power and splendor to the people that he's that he's king over right? Not Jesus. This is like, you know, going back to the car comparison. Jesus is taking the Skoda, not the Bentley. (laughs) Jesus comes to town humbly. This is a, a, I mean, the New Testament here doesn't give a lot of words to this. But what's going on right here is that Jesus displays, he demonstrates that his kingdom is a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. His kingdom is different than the Roman Empire that he was living in at that time in history. It is a different kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom where everything is turned upside down. That is the type of king that we have. That's the type of king that we serve. A king who's humble. A king who's, who doesn't want to display his, his power. A king that is gentle and lowly of heart. That's our Jesus. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Of Galilee. This is the, what, what, what we call the triumphal entry of Jesus to the city of Jerusalem. This is what's happening right here. What you see unveiling in front of your eyes in the story is that there's this height of messianic expectation. The, the, the Jewish people living in the city of Jerusalem, they were expecting a king to come. They were expecting Jesus to show up. They were expecting their Messiah to come to the city. They'd already heard about him. And now that he was coming into the city, they thought, well, this has to be the moment where a new exodus will take place, a new Passover will take place. It's no longer Israel leaving Egypt, the slavery in Egypt. Now they're going to leave the slavery the oppression that the empire of Rome had put on them. Verse 9, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. This verse shows how important it is for us as followers of Jesus in the New Testament times as we live in that we understand the Old Testament. Because what Jesus, well, what, what the crowd is doing here, what they're shouting is actually words from a psalm. And, and Miriam already hinted at this psalm in uh, when she emceed the service, Psalm 118. And the interesting thing is how New Testament writers, how they constantly borrow Old Testament language to make a certain point. You see it everywhere in the New Testament. And if we don't have the knowledge about the Old Testament, we will never get the fullness of what the New Testament is trying to teach us. So, here you see Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26 resounding, and I want to read those two verses with you. It says, This save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Just I wanted to point out a few small things here in these two verses. Save us, the, the Psalm says. Or save us now. In the Hebrew, you know what it says there? It says Hosanna, which is exactly what, what you hear the, the people receiving Jesus into the city were saying, Hosanna, right? Save us now is what it means. The son of David, they see Jesus as a son of David. Now David was a Israelite king, probably the best king that Israel ever had. And Jesus was a son, he was a descendant of David. So, so they saw Jesus as a human king coming in the footsteps of his ancestor, David. And they also say, "Come, who comes in the name of the Lord. And you see here, Lord with capital L-O-R-D, small capitals, O-R-D, which, which means that in the Hebrew, it says Y-H-W-H, which is God's name, God's covenant name, Yahweh. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh. Who's coming in the name of Yahweh? Jesus, right? So this Jesus here who's coming to town is the Messiah. He's the messianic king. The problem was that the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they were expecting a human king. But when you look at the pieces of the Old Testament puzzle surrounding this figure, surrounding the Messiah, you'll see that this this messianic king is both 100% human, but also 100% divine, 100% God. Jesus is both man and God. He's not 50% man and 50% God. No, he's 100% God and 100% man. Matthew 21, verse 10, the story continues. So when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The name Jesus, the name above all names, right? The most most wonderful name that is given to man by which we must be saved. The New Testament was written in Greek. That's where we get the name Jesus from because in in the Greek it's the name Jesus. That's where Jesus comes from, right? It's almost the same in English and Dutch, Jesus, right? The name was only like this because the Greek didn't know what to do with the Hebrew. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, if you go back to the Hebrew meaning of that name, Jesus, it's the word Yeshua. And the Old Testament, uh, sorry, the New Testament, the Greek New Testament, they can't, you know, they don't have the, word, the, the letters to, to present that name well. But Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. And what does the name Yeshua mean? It means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. Again, Jesus represents Yahweh and he ushers in the salvation that Yahweh wants to bring to his people. Yahweh saves, Yeshua. But watch this. When Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, he didn't only come, he didn't only enter the city as the expected Messiah, but he also came into the city as the perfect Passover lamb because the day when Jesus rode into town on the donkey was on a Sunday, Lamb Selection Sunday. You're wondering from my comments from earlier, um, well, I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Because I'm going to confuse you and then uh, it's all going to be clear after that, okay? Is that okay? All right. So Exodus 12, verse 3. The whole idea of selecting a lamb for sacrifice, for the Passover sacrifice, was something that, um, that, is, that dates back to the Old, to, to the Old Testament. To the story of Israel leaving, having to leave Egypt. And they had to sacrifice this lamb. It says this in, in, in um, Exodus 12, verse 3. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house as a lamb for a household. You notice that? It says the 10th day. Well, which day? Which? The 10th of March, the 10th of April? No, no, no. The 10th of the, the Hebrew month of Nisan. I'm not talking about cars here. It's the month of Nisan, that's, that's a month, that's the first month of the year. And, and at the 10th day they had to select a lamb. Well, so the 10th of the month is lamb selection day. It's the day when the Israelites had to select the lamb that they would sacrifice a couple of days later. Well, in the month, in, in the year when Jesus died on the cross, this was a Sunday. So the 10th of Nisan was a Sunday. It was Lamb Selection Sunday. Palm Sunday as we know it in the, in the Christian calendar uh, as, we, as many of us use it, are using today. Lamb Selection Sunday. And then Exodus twelve six says this, and you shall keep it, you shall keep the lamb until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. The 14th of Nisan. Well, yesterday was the 14th of Nisan. Um, so that Passover, where this verse is referring to, was, was basically happened yesterday. However, in, in the year when Jesus was crucified, um, he, the Lamb was selected on the 10th, which was Sunday, and then on the 14th, which was a Thursday, Jesus was crucified. Now, you all don't, don't start to throw eggs at me, right? But it becomes very clear if you look at this story, if you look at how the gospel is laid out, that Jesus wasn't actually crucified on Good Friday, he was crucified on a Thursday. Very interesting point. And we'll we'll talk more about that on on Friday, Good Friday. So the 14th of Nisan was a Thursday when when Jesus um, died. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Well, like I said, we'll talk more about this uh, on Friday, on the Passover and Jesus' crucifixion. So, but after the triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem, the next thing that Jesus does, where does he go? Any takers? Where does Jesus go when he enters the city of Jerusalem? First place he goes to? Temple. You're right, absolutely right. He goes to the temple and he cleanses it. It's like, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're looking at the story and you're not really familiar with Jesus, who he is, and you're not really familiar with the Old Testament, the background for what Jesus does, you're thinking, well, Jesus must not have had a, have had a good day. He, the first thing he does, he goes to the temple and he, he cleanses the temple. He, he overthrows all those tables and all these other things. He must certainly have had a bad day. It's not the case. There's something else going on here. Let's let's read this, though. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. When you uh, look at... um, Mark's version of the same story, he adds one more word. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Everybody say nations. Nations. All the nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. And again, Old Testament is not isolated from, sorry, New Testament is not isolated from the Old Testament. Again, a prophecy from the Old Testament is resounding here. When Jesus says this, we go to Isaiah 56, where it says in verse six, and the foreigners, not this foreigners, so this, this means non-Jews, non-Jewish people, who join themselves to the Lord and minister to him to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and who does not profane it, the importance of Sabbath is underlined here, also for the, the non-Jews. I can't get my next page here. How does that always happen, right? All right, got it. And who holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. A house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, as the New Testament says. All peoples. Now what does the Bible mean when it says all peoples? Any, any, anyone know what the Bible means with that? It's not that difficult. When it says all peoples, it means all peoples. Right? That's what it says. So this is all nations. It includes Israel. But it also includes non-Jewish people, which most of us, were not from a Jewish background. So, so it means you and me. It means everybody who's watching. It means everybody's out here who doesn't know Jesus yet, you know. The invitation is open for them as well. All nations, even those who would not normally be welcome in the temple. There were very strict rules about who could go to the temple. If you had a physical defect, you were not allowed in the temple. But if you go back to Isaiah 56, you notice that in verse 4, that the eunuchs were also included. And the eunuchs is are, are castrated men. I'm sorry, guys. Your mind doesn't want to go there, right? But they're welcome suddenly. And then in verse 8, it speaks about the outcasts of Israel. Those who were forgotten. Nobody wants to have any dealings with them, but they're welcome in the temple. They're welcome in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful for Eden, for our our uh, our clothing bank. How people who who may not be accepted anywhere else in society, they're welcome at our clothing bank. They're welcome in this church. This is a house of prayer for all nations and for every person, right? So everyone is welcome who keeps the Sabbath and who does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. It's important that the people that draw near to God are people's. People whose hearts are tuned into him, who want to serve him, who want to put him first in their lives, who want to respond to the amazing covenant that he has for all of humanity and say, Lord, I want to belong to your family. Those are the people that are welcome in his family. And this family has rhythms. It has rhythms like Sabbath, like a day of rest. We don't have to slave seven days in a week. How you are happy, you don't have to go to your job for seven days a week, right? We don't have to slave we can have a day that's off. We can rest, enjoy each other's company. We can rest and enjoy God's company in our lives. There's rhythms involved for the people of God. But the temple authorities, those who were in charge of the temple, they had allowed the money change and those who sold sacrificial enemies animals to to take up all the space in the outer court of the temple. Now, that happened to be the only place in the temple where the foreigners were allowed to come and those who had physical defects. Those were the only ones, they were the the ones who could only go there in the temple. They couldn't go further into the more holy places of the temple. They had to stay in the outer court. But there was no space there. Also, the non-Jews, they were allowed to come there. But if there's like a... If, if there's like the market here in Hilversum happening right there, and you have people shouting, well, you, you can get your lamb for, for 10 euro. Oh, no, no, it's like, it's more expensive than that, obviously. It's 100 euro. Um, or get your flowers. All these people shouting. All the animals, all the, all the, all the sheep bleeding. Bleating in the marketplace there it was a big mess and there was too much sound and there was too much noise and there was no space anymore for those people who needed God the most for them to come there. There was no space for them anymore. And Jesus knew that these temple authorities, they were actually benefiting financially from what was going on there in the outer court of the temple. It was a big system of religious oppression. And Jesus said, no, he said, get out of here. Give back that place to the people who need it the most. And he wipes it clean. He wipes it clean. Jesus had to, had to put an end to all of this. He overturned the tables and, and gave a practical illustration of what it meant to end the oppression and alienation of the foreigner and the outcast. They were welcome again in God's house. You got to notice this little detail in the story here. This is Matthew 21, verse 14. (laughs) Watch this. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So there was no space for the blind and the lame to come because the outer court was taken up, by all the business was going on there. But now that Jesus got rid of it, those who needed it most were welcome again in the temple. And where did he go to? They didn't go to the temple authorities to let them pray for them. No, they went to Jesus, to Yeshua, to Yahweh saves. And Jesus spends time with them and He heals them. He brings them to a place of wholeness. And I that mean that that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to bring us to a place of wholeness not just physical healing but also emotional healing getting rid of the stuff that holds us back that plagues that enslaves us get to a place of wholeness and restoration interesting that the prophecy of isaiah you know about the foreigners and the outcasts and all these other things all these other people that they were now coming into the temple it's being fulfilled right right before the eyes of the temple authorities but they chose not to see it they chose to kill jesus only a couple of days later because they didn't want to see what god was doing at this time in history passover this festival coincided with the feast of unleavened bread I don't know if you started this much this is very important but the Israelites they were commanded to basically cleanse their houses from any trace of yeast of leaven in their houses well there was a lot of yeast a lot of leaven in those houses I can tell you this for sure in fact there were you know they had all sorts of rules around this so if there were like Gentiles living in the city they could they could um, Basically sell it temporarily to the Gentiles in the city and leave it in their house So that by the time the feast of unleavened bread was over they will buy it back But it hadn't even left their houses. That was like how they twisted this This command from the Lord here Leaven Why did they have to get rid of leaven from the houses? Because it represented sin it represented the things in our lives that are not supposed to be there so this physical house cleaning that they had to, this physical spring cleaning of their house symbolized a spiritual house cleaning. It's a, it was a great ob- object lesson for the kids. It's like a living parable showing the importance of not keeping stuff in your lives that's not supposed to be there. I mean, think of that, how powerful that would be if you have kids, but even for yourself. Like, hey kids this Passover feast of unleavened bread is happening really soon let's let's get rid of some stuff let's let's clean this house really well let's look at our own lives at the same time is there something that doesn't belong in my life is there something in my life that that actually says the opposite like it, we're saying with how we live our lives that some other God is God over me, a king over me, or some other priority is more important than the most important thing in my life, which is Yahweh, which is Jesus. It is a living parable of surrendering your whole life to King Jesus, what happened there at the Feast of unleavened Bread. I believe that God is inviting us, all of us right here, and all of us who are watching to do a spiritual house cleaning of the temples of our, of the temples of the Holy Spirit, of our bodies, of our lives. Everything that doesn't belong there, just to put it aside. I love what Paul says in First Corinthians 5 or 6 through 8, and we're gonna close there. He says this Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new 11 batch. As you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, Jesus is our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Where God is inviting us to party with Him, He's inviting us to participate in this amazing feast of unleavened bread and the Passover feast. And he's saying hey get rid of that yeast get rid of that stuff in your life that's not supposed to be there anymore get rid of the malice and the wickedness and you know the the lying tongue and the oppression and 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 maybe sin that's 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 tripping you up in your life get rid of all of that stuff and let's go for righteousness let's go for justice let's go for peace let's let's fully surrender our lives to King Jesus the Prince of Peace Let's fully surrender our lives to the Passover lamb, Jesus, who was sacrificed for us. And maybe you're looking at your own life at this moment. Maybe there's some things in your life that you're wondering, you know, maybe God has been dealing with you for the last couple of weeks, couple of months, maybe even years. Like, hey, when is the time going to come when you're going to surrender this secret sin that you have? When is the time going to come when you are going to clean up your act and you're going to treat your coworkers like you're supposed to treat them as an imager of of the Lord? He's bringing us to a point right now. But we would all say, Lord, I surrender. I wave the white flag of surrender. I crown you as king in my life Jesus. You're king, you're lord over my life. You're king, you're lord over my family, over my house. You're king, you're lord over this faith family here. I surrender. What is that one thing that God is telling you to surrender today? And maybe As we're getting into this Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's a seven-day feast, if I have it right. Maybe every day in the coming week, we just deliberately ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that's not pleasing in your sight? Is there anything that doesn't demonstrate that you truly are king of, of my life? And if there is anything, just surrender it. And if there's a second thing, just surrender it. God is calling us to live lives that are free. We don't have to live in bondage and slavery anymore from our Egypt. We can live in freedom. We can live in freedom. We can let freedom reign in our lives. Come on, we can just get rid of the yeast, of the, of the leaven, everything else that's not supposed to be there. We're just gonna get rid of it and we're just gonna live as free people in 2021, right? This is a new day for you, for me. Let's all stand to our feet right now. I'm going to ask the band to come. Let's pray. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who's gentle, who gently points out the things in our lives that don't reflect the fact that Jesus, you truly are King over our lives. God, show us what, where the yeast is, show us where the leaven is. We want to take take a big broom and rub it out of our lives, brush it out of our lives. We, God, want to say to you at this moment, Lord, that you truly are King, Jesus, you are King over this temple, over this body. In this life of my emotions over my thoughts over my everything, and you're king and lord over my family. Just believe that in your heart. Everyone who's in this room and who's watching. Lord, you are King, you're Lord. And God help me this coming week to, to see the things that are not supposed to be in my lives and, and get rid of them as well. God, we want to live as people who truly are part of your kingdom. God, every other God, every other priority, every other king in our lives that's not supposed to be there, we dethrone them at this moment in the name of Jesus and we put Jesus on the throne. Jesus, you truly are king. And God, I pray right now as well for those who are either watching or who are in this room who are struggling with their health, who are maybe struggling with their mental health, and just like Jesus, just like those people who were, had physical ailments, they came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. Lord, stretch out your hand to heal those people right now in this room and who those who are watching. God, you are God who still heals today. Lord, none of the power that you have back 2,000 years ago, you don't have anymore today. You still have it can still do this lord and lord we, we we proclaim we declare wholeness and healing over every person listening in this room and online in jesus name we we we, we pray lord that you would rest your hand on them lord and you stretch out your hand to heal them fully and completely so that they would experience the wholeness god that you have for their lives in jesus name we pray